You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Strange Familiars. If you've seen something strange, something paranormal, a cryptid, a ghost, a UFO, if you have an experience with the paranormal, or if you know of a story you think we should cover, you can email us, strangefamiliarspodcast at gmail.com. So this is a very timely show. Did you have this in mind before you saw me playing with that Randonaut app? Yeah, a bit because I just thought like... What can I do that would feel more proactive than crying? (laughs) (laughs) People, I mean, from the beginning of the podcast, they kind of asked me, how do you do this stuff? You know, how do you find this stuff? How do you find this weird stuff? I think with most things, whether it be antiques or cryptids, you just have to look. Yeah. yeah, Some of it is just digging. Some Mm -hmm. of it is just digging in and finding the stories that already exist. But some of it, too, is is adding your own experiences mm-hmm. to the stories that are already there. And it's kind of going to be kind of what this, this episode's about. It's mm-hmm. about... I think it's a way to, when you can link the past to the present, you can also see your way to the future. Yeah. And so you can see yourself of, as part of something. Yeah, and and these layers of history. And to me, feeling small has always been very comforting, like, like to, mm-hmm. to feel how small we are in the universe, I find that extremely comforting. I know some people have just the opposite reaction mm-hmm. in that they feel like, you know, they're lost in a sea of other humans and time and history and, and where would their voice be? But to me, it's incredibly comforting to know that whatever miserable contribution I may or may not make in the grand scheme of things, <laughs> <laughs> not so important, <laughs> but I'm going to try. Hey, that's all we can do. So this is about sort of finding the wonder and the weird where you are in place. Mm -hmm. We're all stuck at home. 
I mean, unless you're deemed essential, I guess. Yeah. But in which case, you don't have time for any of this. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're stuck at home. We need to find ways to explore around us. And if we're interested in the unusual and the weird and the mystical, we need to find ways to do that in place, in, uh -huh. in a sense. This gets a little bit into what some people have called like re-enchanting the earth. But I've decided I don't really like that phrase. It's already enchanted. Mm -hmm. It's being able to see the enchantment and maybe add to it, I think. Yeah, I think it's just, you know, taking that kaleidoscope and turning it around one more click till things look a little different. Mm -hmm. That's a great way of putting it. That's a great way of putting so it. So I decided I wanted to call this episode Force the Hand of Chance for Genesis Peorge, who recently passed away. I think because a lot of this does incorporate influences we've had from different artists and musicians and a similar take that they have on those layers of history and um, mm -hmm. intent in magical or non-magical work. And So Genesis P. Orridge, for people who don't know, he was a vocalist and creative force behind a band called Psychic TV. Before that, he was in Throbbing Gristle, which is arguably the first industrial band, depending on how you defined industrial music. Mm -hmm. uh, later in life became known by the name Genesis Briar Peorage, sometimes Pandragine, and went by the pronouns she later on that was not specifically transgendered in the way that people would maybe typically, it was more of part of like a, a mass art project with his one of his partners to, to look the same and to become the same gender. Very complex. We probably don't have time to go into the yeah, whole... Yeah, I mean, Genesis is a show. Yeah, it's, it's a show in itself, but... Um, Somebody who was especially musically very important to uh, both of us. Yeah, and, and someone who lived a life, I mean, you know, whether you agree with everything Genesis did or not. Uncompromising. Uncompromising and brave, you know. Uh, yeah, I, one of the my favorite quotes, and it was a semi-recent quote of his from like probably the early 2000s, he was talking about how in the Western world... I mean, this is a paraphrase, but in the Western world, it's it's fairly difficult to starve to death. Mm -hmm. So you might as well do what you want to do. You that, might as well be an artist. That was the quote that gave us the confidence to break away from our normal nine to five kind of life and just kind of make our own way. And it's and, taken uh, a long time. It's, it's taken... taken a long time and a lot of tries and a lot of fails. Mm hmm. So this is part in tribute to Genesis and also um, how we're going to weave like inspirations from the past into the future and hopefully provide some exercises to help people find something to do and to find meaning in the places that they are at a time when you're just like, God, I would love to be anywhere else. But sometimes it's a matter of just, you know, twisting the kaleidoscope into a new view of the same thing you've been looking at sure. for the past month and a half. <laughs> sure. And this can be applied to however many blocks around your house or to a place you're visiting, a new mm -hmm. place you're visiting. But right now, we're, most of us are sequestered. So this is a way to access the weird where you are. Uh, one of the people I want to talk about specifically in relation to that is someone who lived their whole life within a very, very small physical amount of space, but yet saw worlds that other people would never... Mm -hmm. be able to imagine that's William Blake arguably the greatest artist of all time whether you see him as that or not you have to recognize him as an insane creative force 
and someone who was driven to do precisely what he needed to do. I, and I, I would argue that he needed to do those books that he, he did. But he never left like a very small radius of where he lived. No, he lived in like one part of London, never left there. I think when he retired, he, they moved out to the country for a very short time. And, and then he, he said, moved back. I got to go back. I can't. <laughs> but, he ne- but the actual distance he traveled in his entire lifetime was not very large. Not very large at all. No, he, he wasn't a world traveler. But he made his own worlds. And I think that that maybe world making is, is very important. It is. And hopefully this will help. Maybe world seeing in a way, in, in place, let's mm. say. Yeah, there's a sort of a trope that, you know, to be a great artist, you have to go experience the world and you have to be a, a traveler. And, and, ex- and that's all great if you can, but some people can't. Mm-hmm. Some people can't for financial reasons, for mental reasons, mm-hmm. for any number of reasons they can't. And yeah, right I- now, none of us can. Like right now, we are sheltering in place, as they say. And I think about, you know, writers like Jean Genet, who, who thought that his time when he was in prison was some of his most productive. I mean, that's where he got most of his productive work done. Mm-hmm. So this is not to uh, downplay the situation for anyone who is actually incarcerated. Sure, yeah. Or to relate my fairly luxurious just hanging out <laughs> time now right. to to that experience but i think it is an idea of like um opening your mind away from this idea that you are in prison and limitations can breed creativity i mean just think of what we've done with all the expired food recently <laughs> <laughs> that's a great example <laughs> <laughs> things that normally i'd be like i would never eat this this is so old or like okay we had some hot chocolate earlier tonight there may or may not have been a few bugs in it. Yeah, I think I drank one. <laughs> it didn't matter. What are you do? It's like suddenly all these things just don't matter. It's protein. One of my favorite projects I ever did was the Moth Mask album I did with Alicia. And the rule, I made a rule for myself with that, that I was only going to use one banjo for all the music. And, uh, you know, I played it like a drum. I sang through the head. I, I bowed it like a violin. I, mm-hmm. I had all these different techniques. And, and I used electronic effects on it and stuff. I was able to vary the sound a bit that way as well. But creatively, one of the most satisfying albums I've ever done. I, and I completely limited myself in doing it. So limitations can spark creativity, I think, sometimes by just saying this is what I'm going to work with. In the same way that rules can spark um, creativity because it immediately gives you something to rebel against. <laughs> True. <laughs> True. Well, yeah, that's essentially what I did. I'm going to use one banjo, but I'm not going to just play it like a banjo. I'm going to do all kinds of crazy stuff with it. So uh, in the kind of a broad sense, this is about what can sometimes be termed psychogeography which has sort of two main components. And there's something that sort of started with the French situationists in the late 50s to early 70s, but then sort of had a resurgence with writers like Will Self and Ian Sinclair. And their perspective starts more from like walks that they took Mm -hmm. and like purposeful walks or walks that they did that led them to something or following instinctual ideas about where where to go on a walk or to even like bill drummond who we've talked about before he's the um former manager for echo and the bunnymen and member of the klf and just sort of uh-huh yeah and uh amazing uh, it's genius uh and sort of 
magician, for lack of a better term. Yeah, yeah. Very interesting film. So he does a lot of these experiments, like he draw a circle in a town, and then within that circle he would bake cakes for people. Oh, wow. There's a lot about intent and working through experiments. You know, they have this sort of magical bent, but then they're also just very much... But it's about where the story takes you, right? Mm-hmm. So it's about what happens when you deliver these cakes to these people. Mm-hmm. And the and connections you make and the... And the, the I mean, experiences the, you have in doing it. Yeah, it's, it's kind of amazing. So he he's well, one that would be, I think, a good source for psychogeography. And then also Beyond Bill Drummond from Liverpool, Paul Simpson, who is the, my favorite one of the early post-punk Liverpudlians, who's an artist, musician, poet. Now, you talked about this on another podcast to some length. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> my adoration for Paul Simpson. And um, that was on... Uh, Echo in here, right? Yeah, is there an echo in here? The Echo and the Bunnyman podcast, which I highly recommend if you have any interest in Echo and the Bunnyman. But they span everything from, I've heard them play skiffle music to old time music to, you know, and relate everything that ever happened to Echo and the Bunnyman to the entire history of music. So it crosses quite a few (laughs) genres. But Paul Simpson wrote a book while he was staying at Bill Drummond's Curfew Tower, which is in Ireland. Bill Drummond allows artists to come and then they have to do a specific piece of artwork while they're at this tower Mm -hmm. in sequester and then presented at either for one of the years it was presented at a gallery, but it can be anything really. I mean, it can be traditional artwork to um, Paul when he was there, wrote a story about the curfew tower itself. And he talks about these kind of layers of, of magic in this area of Ireland partly dismissive and and partly because he talks about the kind of the local kids hanging out and then also all the these layers of of history Mm -hmm. surrounding the tower and so i'm just going to read a little quote from that because sure i'd like to include paul in this so around 2012 i got this feeling that a lot of people do when they grow up in this area and that that you are a failure for still being here And I thought, well, maybe instead of feeling like a failure for having never left and never done anything, you know, noteworthy, that maybe I would just switch my focus and try to find something redeeming within the area in which I live. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote this really cool little short story about the curfew tower in Ireland. I'll just read a little quote from it. Like a village from an Alan Gardner story, Cushendall and the Glens of Antrim is a place of barely concealed magic. Impossible to contain, the supernatural concentrate seeps from the ground like radon, half as dense but twice as dangerous. In McAllister's cafe, the ghosts of Iron Age bogmen enter through the cold taps, swirl molecular and teacups are overhead, rooks patrol the skies, calling trespass like the agents of Sauron. Something about that image of Iron Age bogmen coming through the cold taps reminded me of these abandoned underground bathrooms in the center of York. Oh, yes. And it really got me to think about all of the interesting things that had happened in York, and that's when I started doing all of my research about the Swords Brothers and, and the photography from York. Mm-hmm. And so I really credit that as being my look towards my own area in this sort of these sort of layers of psychogeography and how I kind of came back to a love of this area as opposed to that sort of adolescent rebellion against the place that you grew up.
And then, of course, we can't forget, and this is probably the most important influence, Mr. Alan Moore. I love Alan Moore. Um, I think you would probably be better at just a quick explanation of who Alan Moore is for people who don't know. So if you've seen V for Vendetta, the movie, Alan Moore was the original writer of that. He disowned almost every film adaptation of anything he's ever done. I think he said they can't, films can't adequately do what comics do. So he started out as a comics writer. In that sort of underground yeah, comics yeah. movement that became more popular during the 70s? Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he was writing for the sort of independent UK comics and stuff. 2000 AD and their independent magazines. And then he came to DC, which is an, an American company. And they gave him this throwaway character named Swamp Thing that no one cared about. And they said, here, take this. And he, in one issue, completely reset that character and gave him a whole new history without without taking away anything that was done in the past mm-hmm. just, all within canon just brilliantly kind of reframed this character in an amazing and brilliant way and then proceeded to have a run on swamp thing that was nothing short of brilliant i mean really you know this is the 80s comics before this were you know disposable in a way yeah, ephemeral yeah very and he much. really brought it back to a place of um, literature and yeah like some of the stuff he's writing is really really kind of high-minded stuff and things that they were saying like you can't do that in comics mm-hmm. and he would just like basically because he had this throwaway character that no one cared about that he was able to do things that uh, just weren't done before very impressive and then he went on to write several other things like the watchmen the Killing Joke, the, the Batman uh, uh, graphic novel he did, and then he did several runs on, on a lot of different independent comics and started his you know several other independent comics with his own. Uh, we will be talking about him. On... There wouldn't be that iconography of the Guy Fox mask oh, no. being used without Alan Moore. Oh no, absolutely not. And at some point, Alan Moore decided that he was a magician, and that. Uh, he had been participating in uh, the magical art, I believe, you know, through his writing. But then he became actively became a, a magician and very interested in the occult. He's done some amazing performance art, like music, with uh, some of the folks from the Bauhaus, David J. And I believe um, maybe Steve Severn from uh, Susie and the Banshees, I think, was was part of that even our friend paul metzger was involved with the one yeah paul metzger was did one uh some music for for one of the projects with alan Moore. he, he kind of does these spoken word things but alan um he kind of is focused on northampton yeah which i find fascinating that like he he hasn't lost the zeal for the area in which he lives because there's so many layers to call through mm-hmm and so um, I have a little quote for him uh, when asked about basically what psychogeography is, and then he gives this explanation. Our experience of any place, it is the associations, the dreams, the imaginings, the history. It's all the information that's relevant to the place, which is what we experience when we talk about a place. That is what we're talking about. We're not talking about the hard bricks and mortar. So we're talking about, you know, like kind of being cartographers of, of the other. Mm-hmm. And we're, you know, we can, I think this is one of the experiments we'll talk about is making your own maps. Right. You know, this like random idea that 
these borders that were like surveyors made. Why is that what we use to decide where <laughs> where one thing stops and another starts and, and how you can use your own chronology and your own personal symbolism to change the map? I'd like to talk, you know, bring this back a little bit more wooish. <laughs> uh, when we talk about historical residue, I'd like to talk about that as one aspect of maybe the ghost phenomenon. To me, that makes a lot of sense that instead of like, this is my dead whatever coming back to haunt me or give me a secret message, maybe it's just the residue of what was there before. Right. So instead of being, that's just because it's close by and everyone, you know, Gettysburg's the most haunted mm -hmm. place in the state, supposedly. So instead of it being a specific Civil War soldier mm -hmm. that someone's seeing, it's the res sort of the gathered information, the gathered residue of the battle that happened there. Of 50,000 people dying in one small area. Yeah, yeah, so it's not one specific soul of a dead person, but mm -hmm. sort of that echo of that very intense historical residue, I mm -hmm. guess. Yeah. And maybe we access it through, you know, pain or emotion, and that's why it's so often appears at times of fright or sadness and liminal and liminal spaces. Sure. So to that end, we started using, and this can kind of be one of our first experiments. We started using this app, and you can talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So Chad and I started using this. I heard about it on another podcast. I am not the guy to explain what this is. Nor are we affiliated with them in any way. We're just having fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think that, you know, they kind of pretty much say that. They kind of pretty much say that on their website. Like, go ahead and have fun. The app is called Randonautica. Can you spell that? It's R-A-N-D-O-N-A-U-T-I-C-A <laughs> -A -A is the app. And uh, it's made by these people called Randonauts, basically. I'm not sure how it works. But what they're doing is they're taking your location and a map and they're using some kind of quantum computing to determine where you may find anomalies and synchronicities and so forth. So this is just from their website. Explore the world you never knew existed, a quantumly generated choose-your-own-adventure reality game. By using our quantum bot, the user can break from their mundane day-to-day -day and take a journey in search of deep, meaningful synchronicities. Our quantum bot is built with mind-machine interfacing technology, allowing the user to drive their trip via intentions. Break out of your reality tunnel, recalibrate your mind, and have fun on an adventure into the world you never knew existed. Welcome future Randonaut. To learn more, try the wiki or videos, or just go right ahead to the quantum bot. And that's kind of what we did. We just kind of dove in. And what I like about it is you can set how far away from where you are. And so right now when we really are quite limited, mm -hmm. we still found some kind of interesting things. So and you want to play that? Yeah, let's go ahead and play the, Our first trip. what we were looking for and uh, what we have. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, 
Did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. No, but I'm just going to record in case we get anything interesting. Okay. So, this is day four or 47 of the. It's actually Lucky 13. It's like day 13. <laughs> and Allison's gotten bored enough where she requested the woo. <laughs> it's a substantial shift in the. <laughs> so, we're, we're in town, in the town in which we live, and we're going to um, try a little experiment here. And we're going to use the Randonauts app. You can hear in the background the crazy Pennsylvania Dutch people who have decided this is a great day to start mowing their lawns. And you know, that's the thing I'm the most worried about in the midst of the <laughs> pandemic is if that lawn gets, you know, above an inch and a half thick. Oh, the daffodils are out. Grass is growing. Sun's out today, so Sun's I'm in a out. better mood. <laughs> yeah, it's it's beautiful day. All right, I've never used the Random Knots thing on my phone. We used it on Chad's phone the last time, so I'll see if I can get it to work. So part of the Random Knot app is to set your intention before you start. And because we're in a town, uh-huh. and it's unlikely that we'd find something like a footprint or something like that, yeah. I'm going to say my intention is to find something related to the wild man phenomenon. Bigfoot phenomena, whatever that is. Okay. I'm not saying necessarily hair or footprint or something. Maybe it's a picture or some, you know, a sticker on somebody's car. Not counting mine, obviously. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna go where it tells us to go. All right. And see if we find anything there relative to that. Okay. All right, and then we'll do one. Okay. Do your dogs answer. count as a dog man? No. Okay. No, it's got to be like. It, <laughs> okay. it, we'll know it when we see it. If it All counts, right. we'll know it. Okay. I have a feeling that my uh, factors for counting it will be a, probably a little broader than yours. Probably. But, uh, and then we'll set an intention with you as well. Okay. And then we'll see. Just see what happens. So I'm not sure if it means anything, but as soon as we hit within the, the radius of the the mark, the, the void attractor, Allison points out, in her words, which graffiti. So we got to picture that. I'm not sure if that means anything, but. And I've never been sure if that meant um, agriculture or King Diamond, because I know I've seen it on both things, <laughs> so. I'm not quite sure what that means. I know it's witchy, right? Yeah, it's witchy. Yeah. There's right. an upside-down cross as well. So In the void. We'll see if... Uh, I mean, it's a stretch, but there is chapters in our book about the Bigfoot witch connection. But let's look for something more directly. 
located. We are we are definitely in in the zone. In the zone right now, you can see. So instead of the broken circle, it's the purple circle. The, the purple void. <laughs> We set our intention. We always set it at the same tree for where you are. We, we tried it a couple of times. I asked for anything related to the wild man phenomenon. Now, I purposely did that because I knew we'd be walking in town. Mm -hmm. So, in other words, if we were in the woods and I said that, it'd be a lot easier for me to say, like, oh, look at over there. That's a tree structure. Or Yeah, it's a little I, harder when all you have are houses. And yeah, I, so I purposely said, give me something related to the wild man phenomenon. We set it for a void. You can set it for a void, an attractor, or just an anomaly, which I think will give you voids and attractors. Again, I'm not the guy to explain how this works, this, this random auto cap, but it is fun to play with. So we got a hit. We followed it, and it's, it's an old building. At first, I thought there had been a building nearby that had a fire recently, and I thought, oh, I wonder if it's that, because it was near that, but it, mm -hmm. wasn't, it didn't end up being that building, the, the, the hit. It was nearby that. And right as soon as we walk into, like, so it'll give you, like, an, an arrow on the map with the hit. Mm -hmm. And then it's surrounded by a circle, like, a, a, however many yards. And I don't know how that's determined. That's that's part of the quantum computer. Because sometimes you get a really big circle. Mm -hmm. Chad and I got a really big one in the field, which you'll hear about in uh, probably the next episode, if not one very soon. This was a much tighter circle. But we walked into it, and pretty much right as we walk into it, you said, oh, look at that graffiti. There's something, and you just called it witch graffiti. It was just well. Doesn't it mean witch? Like, like, isn't it like? I thought I remember like it's used in like agricultural symbols sometimes. And yeah, it's it, well. We found out later it's the alchemical symbol for sulfur. Yeah, otherwise known as the king diamonds. <laughs> the king diamond cross or whatever. And I, I took a or you took a photo of it. I think uh -huh. uh, we should hopefully we'll have all these up in the show notes for people to see. And I, but I didn't know at this point it was the alchemical symbol for sulfur. It was just like, oh, it's some, some occult graffiti or something. Uh -huh. From some sort of like teenage edgelords. We're like, oh, yeah. 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 And that's all we found. I was looking around. I thought we'd maybe see like a car with a Bigfoot sticker on it or... At least a dog a, man. A Bigfoot statue. You know, people have mm -hmm. lawn statues or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know, if we were finding anything, I figured that that might be it. Or even a, a footprint. Like not a Bigfoot footprint, but like, like say like a a design of a footprint somebody had on their car or something, you know, something like that. But that was all we got is that graffiti. And uh, we came home later and I was upstairs and you sent me this, this post from Instagram that you mm -hmm. came across randomly, I'm assuming. Yeah. You're mm -hmm. just scrolling through your feed and saw it. And it's a wild man, hundred percent wild man. They even call him a wild man. It's a Protestant picture depicting the Pope as a wild man. Or yeah. a Satan, is it? It's a, literally, it says Pope as well. Oh, man. okay, Pope yeah. as well. And he's holding the alchemical symbol for sulfur. He's holding the sulfur, the symbol we saw painted. Yeah, it almost looks side. like, you know, like a merman with a trident or something. Like yeah, that. it's sort of his tail forms the bottom part, and he's holding a, a tree, I think. That but it's is, very clearly that symbol. Yeah, it's very clearly that symbol. Then you look up what that symbol is, and you see it's the alchemical symbol for sulfur. So that's a double hit because people often describe a sulfuric smell. With around wild the wild man mm -hmm. and then running across this picture so i i mean it counts that's a synchronicity that's a big one that's a big one very very cool very very neat the randonautica app is free everybody can download it everybody can play with it 
again, I don't know, you know, I don't know exactly how it works. I just dove in and started messing around with it. If anything, when it leads you like off of like, sometimes when we'll go for a walk, we just kind of follow the same Mm -hmm. path Mm -hmm. and just to go like in a down an alleyway you've never been to before it's like we were walking i was like hey there are a lot more people in town that have chickens than i thought you know like yeah yeah Yeah. and it snaps you out of that regular day yeah yeah which i think is important because all of a sudden you've just seen a whole new world and you're looking for stuff Mm -hmm. now you're being observant now you're you're focused and you're like what we're looking for something there's something that we're looking for and even just the act of doing that, I think, can help you. And the other thing we know, this one of very sort of mundane things. We have to walk up a big hill to get where this was. Later on, we were talking, it was like, usually we're complaining going up that hill. Like, man, this is like so hard. Yeah. To we didn't even notice it. Because we were, we were talking about, oh, how far away is this location? I wonder what we'll find there. Yeah, we were focused on this purpose. It, it was really, really neat. And also, I like the idea of like just having short bursts of because we're at a time when we're so stuck in the present, mm-hmm. you know, that it'll even give you 10 minutes into the future, something to look forward to. Yeah. To I'm, focus in time a little bit. And hey, when needs, when we're stuck in the house and it's kind of the same schedule day by day, something like that can be really awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, now, we did it again the following day. And you set your intention, but you set two intentions, which I thought was My funny. first intention was, I don't want to get rained on. And so I think that overshadowed or didn't overshadow everything as soon as we started walking, then like all the clouds parted and it got to be really sunny and then we couldn't find anything. Yeah, and we didn't get any hits. <laughs> However, we did, we were looking for voids is one of the things you can look for. Mm-hmm. And we were on a another part of the wall we said well we, we didn't find anything i think the, the one area was in the middle of some private property we said well we can't really go yeah, in everyone's and, home right now yeah. we can't really do that i can't really so we said well let's just walk back you know and oh i know what it was i wanted to walk back to that graffiti and leave one of my spirit trading coins the ones i made to go with the wilderness guys set they're just wooden coins it's not they're biodegradable they have some some symbols on them and I thought, well, since we got a hit there, I'm going to leave one of those there. Kind of, again, we're sort of talking about sort of seeing the enchantment and participating with all this. So I thought it's sort of participating with the phenomenon and leaving a coin there. And, you know, somebody else picks it up. Maybe it uh, they get a little bit of magic and wonder Yeah. in their life, you know. So I always really like things like that. I think some people were talking about, like, spray painting sigils around to sort of like... And it's like, well, you can do that kind of idea without spray painting on people's property you know i mean you can leave things that are biodegradable like these wooden coins you can make your own you can get blank ones at hobby shops and stuff and either wood burn them or paint them or or even um, we were talking about our friend diane who um just as a not even so much a magical kind of thing she paints rocks and and just leaves and leaves them around just sort of as a nice gesture to Mm. me that's just as magical as you know painting a sigil which is basically just your own tag right (laughs) (laughs) but in any case we decide well let's just walk you know through town then and we from there we we walked through town and we were kind of randomly going and and uh walked under a bridge and found graffiti that says void Mm -hmm. we were looking for a void so it's pretty neat so we kind of got a an interesting little synchro even that
So uh, another experiment, and this goes back to Bill Drummond, uh, one of the things that he did was to actually take a map and write the word Bill on it mm-hmm. and then follow that as a path. And then you can st- start to take your own walks, these sort of walks with intent. Mm-hmm. You can devise how you want to do the route edit for any reason. Yeah, you know? I mean, this reminds me of like in From Hell, which is Alan Moore's story of Jack the Ripper. At some point... You know, they kind of make a pentagram, I believe, out of all the different sites relative to, to Jack the Ripper on the map. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, you could do something like that, or you know, some sort of symbol that means something to you. All the churches in the area, and then follow that path, or all numbers numerically, or yeah, just draw out a symbol or something mm-hmm. that means something to you on the map, and and follow it, and just see what story comes out of it. Another thing, uh, if you're st- on a day when you're stuck in the house, say it's like one of the rainier days during the seclusion and you wanted to to check into a little magic about the place in which you live there are some free resources online to do address lookups to see who lived in your house before you even on ancestry.com i know certain things are free i think the 1940 census might be free but that would get you back a ways where you could at least explore who might have lived at the place that you live now what they did sometimes it has their yeah their occupation yeah. who their children are you can follow that and then sometimes those people are are uh, young enough where you can find obituaries and things mm-hmm. that come up and you, if you paid a little more you could you could do a little bit more research but there's a lot of free resources to, there are yeah. And, yeah and you can always go to we've talked about the newspaper archives before Chronicling America is free. That's the Library of Congress newspaper archive. And you can look up stuff about your hometown and find really cool stuff. Find a grave is good if you find someone's name and you want more information. Because a lot of times if you find their grave, they're usually buried around people they know. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So then you can usually find relatives, siblings, parents, children, etc. Kind of just start the thread from there. Next experiment we're calling the Pepe Sylvia experiment, <laughs> which is a little bit of a a nod to uh, "It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia" and yes, yeah, so every, everyone. Well, I don't know if everyone, but you may be familiar with the meme that shows Charlie Kelly from "It's Always Sunny" in front of the uh, board with all the red string, and he's pointing. It's the, everyone use it for like the conspiracy thing. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think I, I made a meme that said, Allison working on the broken circle back when you were doing that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that was... Use that image. So uh, what he's looking for is he's trying to figure out who this Pepe Silvia person is at the company he's working for. And so he has a whole conspiracy built up. So that's why we call it the, the Pepe Silvia method. This is diving deep into all the available resources, like the BFRO site. Um, what does that stand for? Bigfoot Field Research Organization. Oh, okay. And what is the one that's the equivalent alien one? Uh, MUFON. MUFON, okay. Even, like, wherever you are, I almost guarantee there's, like, a ghost story site about, like, where you are. Yeah, I mean, there's enough people writing books about haunted wherever that you should be able to find at least the beginnings of an urban legend you can follow for for accuracy. And uh, we have a map of York and we're looking for a way to have different layers of it so we can look at things 
like a UFO sighting and a Bigfoot sighting and a ghost sighting and see where these different things line up and how they line up date and uh, and different experience and so forth. And these are all things you can do using mostly Internet sources. Mm-hmm. Did you want to talk about how you did that to, to a degree around Delta? Oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, that was a patron episode, I think. And it was a chapter in Woodnox Volume 3, I did, called The Company They Keep. And it, a revised version of that will be in Where the Footprints End, the new book that I, I did with Josh, uh, with additional information. And uh, I just started looking at, uh, it's about 8 to 10 square miles in Delta. It's a small town in southern York County right along the river. And I happened to notice that there were a lot of sightings, Bigfoot sightings down there. But then I started digging in and I just started finding all this other weird stuff. There's people practicing um, spiritualism down there, automatic writing, who thought that pirates had sailed up the Susquehanna and buried treasure there. And clearly the guy spent his life basically looking for this treasure never found it but you know the spirits had told them that where to find it and so forth there was a haunted mansion in the area where they said besides several ghosts a leprechaun was present there there was a there were also fairy circles were outside of this house i mean there happens to be a nuclear power plant in the same area the same eight to ten square miles there's uh multiple bigfoot sightings there's ghost stories there's you know, talk about headless ghosts. The most beautiful cemetery with the most beautiful cemetery stones and probably Oh yeah. It's all the world. <laughs> stunningly beautiful slate carved stones. That the, there was a pop, a Welsh population that they brought over to mine slate in the area and uh, they carved their own tombstones which are absolutely beautiful and they look today brand new. They look like they were carved yesterday. It's hard to believe they're from the 1800s. They're like this beautiful matte black with amazing carving. Beautiful, beautiful carved slate. So Delta just has all these layers of weirdness. Like anywhere it is, if you look. I think so. I think so. Mm -hmm. I think some are just easier to to find. And that's the other thing you'll notice. Some newspapers, old newspapers I'm talking about, were more likely to report ghost stories than others. You know, so sometimes you just get lucky. And some might report them in sort of a derisive way i guess yeah and then others in as part of a sort of a fact-finding mission mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the next experiment this is born from alan moore as well that he had a a long time he was researching a tiny town which tends to keep coming up in our conversations here on Strange Familiars, and that is Athol, Massachusetts. But he became sort of obsessed with Athol, Massachusetts. And I think this was like woven into this sort of like H.P. Lovecraft idea of Massachusetts, even though this isn't close to Mm -hmm. uh, Rhode Island. But we like the idea of exploring like random towns that you don't necessarily live in and collecting the ephemera and maps and photos of that area and, and learning about it through um, articles and maybe even Google. Now that we have Google Earth, we could look and you can go down the streets of towns you've never been to before right. and um, just make yourself like very well versed in a town that you... And then when we actually do get a chance to leave the house <laughs> you could potentially go and and visit this town right because i think i like the idea of vacationing somewhere that wouldn't normally have all of the perks of a vacation area like i don't need to go somewhere with old bay no offense <laughs> with old bay yeah 
<laughs> I don't need to get crabs. I don't. It doesn't oh. need to have a boardwalk there. It doesn't oh, gotcha. need to have a ride. Area Indiana. Everywhere's got Old Bay if you bring your own with you. That's like true. Like a good Marylander. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Athol, by the way, like we kind of glossed over that. It keeps coming up in Strange Familiars, which is strange because... It's the tiniest little town. It is. We had a great friend who lived in a cabin outside of Athol, but worked in Athol at a convenience store in town. And now we've had people on the show that have mentioned it and people that live near there. We, I, we have listeners that live there. We have... I did an interview this week. <laughs> I had several Athol stories <laughs> and uh, had actually been to the Cumberland Farms, the convenience store in question. It's just... It's a liminal place. I the guess Cumberland Farms in Athol, Massachusetts. I think Athol itself it's, it's, might be. It's a modern day Lovecraftian... Uh, yeah, yeah. So Athol just keeps coming up. It's It's... It's outside of Pennsylvania. But you could find that. Be... I mean, you could be like some town and pick a state. You know, we, we were using like a random generator to pick a state and, and a town and trying to do that. But maybe it's a state that you actually have some interest in to begin with. Mm-hmm. Then another experiment you could do is make your own map using your own personal symbols. I like that idea of like making a map of uh, like a physical map that represents things within your own life, mm-hmm. important events, or why not? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I mean anything from uh, I remember a very beautiful spring day at this park or something, and mm-hmm. had a wonderful time there. To this is where my grandfather's buried. Mm-hmm. and make this sort of map of, of meaning, in a sense. Liminal.earth. Yes. Uh, so there are there are sources, other sources online that kind of do some of this already. And I was told about one called Liminal.earth, where you can uh, find other people's weird experiences and put your own on a map. Oh, okay. So it's got the people from all over the world are contributing their own experiences, and you can read about them, and you can add your own to it. So it's sort of a, a map of liminality of, of weird stuff. And I, I mean, in the early days of Atlas Obscura, it was kind of like that as well. Like where... Yeah, this is more interactive. It's not so much curated. It's more of an interactive thing. I believe there's some curation going on, but in general, I think almost anybody can add to it and uh, add their own experiences and so forth. Okay, our next experiment, our idea would be to just delve into local folklore. A good way to do that if you have access to old people. You're probably going to have to call them on the phone. So. <laughs> do not expose people. Do not expose people for your experiments. <laughs> but that would be to learn about, the, to follow a, like a little trail of folklore in your own town. Yeah, and this I think is extremely important. And this is one of the things I mention again when people say, how do you do what you do? How do you find all this stuff? Number one is to learn the local folklore. Even if you haven't grown up there, if you're in a new place, I think it might even be more important. Mm-hmm. And you're going to learn things that people that have lived there their whole lives don't even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and learn all the folklore. Not, I mean, the ghost stuff is fun. The monster stuff is fun. But the other folklore, you'll find that it, it ties in in other ways. And sometimes it's so incredibly regional that only people that within a certain block know about certain people. Oh, sure. You yeah. know, we were talking to one of the people I volunteer with, and she was telling us a story about... Uh, a guy who was a hermit who lived yeah, in the yeah. city. And I, because I didn't grow up in the city, I had never heard this story. But to people in this particular area, everybody knew this character. Right. And it turns out that this might end up being a, an episode, but it turns out that he may have just stepped in and fulfilled the role of a previous hermit because we found older stories of a hermit with the same name. And it's an unusual enough name where not two people wouldn't have had that yeah, name. Yeah. yeah. Really, really interesting stuff comes up like that. The way I put it, it connects you to the earth. That's the way I put it, and I really think it's true. The folklore is the stories of the earth. It's the stories of the land around you. That house is haunted. Uh, that tree is is where someone was hanged. That, and it's the people's history, too. Yeah. It's no, not it's, the history that's It's written our over. connection to the earth. Mm-hmm. It connects us to the earth. And I think it's really, really important. If you're going to get the feel, if you're going to get do the psychogeography stuff, you want to know as much as you can about the folklore because that's the stories of where you are and it's really really important what other experiment that i wanted to do which you know i think all of these can kind of be adapted from a, like a macro level to a micro level so while you might not have access to green space right now, or generally, I feel like there are ways to adapt this inside. So I'm going to just talk about, um, we had a friend that lived in Massachusetts, and one of the coolest things that he took us to was this labyrinth that people had been making in a, in a park, mm-hmm. where they're just taking stones and everyone was adding to it, and just making this I mean, it started circularly, but then people kind of deviated from that and went off in different ways. And then other people just kept adding to it. But I think you could do that in your own, you know, if you had a backyard and you had any kind of stones, really, and Mm -hmm. you could just make your own labyrinth. And not only would it be a meditative process to, to build it, but then to walk it and to get that peace and just time away from life while you're building that. And I think you could do that with... If you were in the house and you didn't have access to green space or you didn't have access to rocks outside, you could probably take almost anything from... Are you talking about a pillow fort labyrinth? <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I like that idea. I was thinking more like making a tiny labyrinth out of whatever materials you had on hand, Would it, whether it would be beads or stamps or... Mm-hmm. Thinking any... of, of almost like the sand mandalas that the... Mm. Like Tibetan to... Buddhists make uh, these very beautiful and very temporary pieces of artwork. You know, I mean, you can. Yeah, one of my favorite things to collect as a kid were uh, bread tie bags. Now, now that sliced bread is like <laughs> <laughs> the height of decadence and luxury, and <laughs> and uh, the result of risky behavior. <laughs> we don't have as many as we did, but you know, crayons, anything you know that you have around the house that you could use to make a little. And if it can't be a walking labyrinth you could almost make a a mandala in a sense you know a temporary yeah i mean in the same way people count rosaries or malas this Mm. would be you could do a very similar thing with whatever you had on hand right
And of course, there's the, the the sort of more obvious thing is if you want to go that direction, the ghost box and the Ouija board in your own house. You may or may not be. I'm not recommending anyone do it. I'm not recommending you not do it. You have to know whether you want to do that and sit with whatever results you get. A lot of people will not investigate their own house because they don't want to know what's in it. Other people don't want to stir anything up. Mm-hmm. But those are tools or toys that you may or may not want to uh, mess with. That's up to the individual. If you like what we do and you want to help us make more Strange Familiars, you can become a patron at Patreon. It's patreon.com slash strangefamiliar. $3 a month, you get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We do at least one full episode every month for our patrons. we got over 50 right now. If you sign up, you get those 50-plus episodes right away. And then every month, you'll get at least one more. Often, we do more than one. There are all different levels of support at Patreon. Things like books and t-shirts, stickers, and more. Go ahead and check it out. Patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. And of course, we want to thank our existing patrons because we could not do the show at all without them. Thank you so much, patrons. If you don't like the idea of a monthly subscription like Patreon, you can make a one-time donation and go to the show notes at strangefamiliars.com. Under every episode, there's a paypal.me link. You can click on that and make a one-time donation. Everyone can help by sharing the show on social media, by liking and subscribing wherever you're listening, whatever podcatcher you use, and by leaving us those nice five-star reviews because that helps get the podcast in front of new potential listeners. We've tried a couple of these experiments, and we plan on trying more as we're locked in here. They're fun, and you can do them in your own neighborhood and find the weirdness around you. That wild man synchronicity, to me, that was huge, Mm -hmm. and and I absolutely loved it. It was very, very interesting. I thought it was interesting, too, just walking around town. I noticed that the the Oddfellows Hall is at number 23, and then... Oh, is it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, there's there's interesting stories to be had around you. You know, you just have to look. And, and sometimes it might come from people. You can't have a lot of interaction right now, but... It's temporary. Yeah. So hopefully this helps everybody. I know it's helped us. It has been fun. Like, we've been actually looking forward to it on sunny days when we can actually get out. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you want to go try an experiment? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. And we've been doing... I mean, we're probably forced to do that now because they've recently closed down all the parks close to where we live and so mm-hmm. now we're not allowed to go in any public green space you have to either yeah so we're even more limited but like you said with limitation comes creativity so you're yes. just gonna have to get more creative everybody <laughs> maybe we can get somebody more official from the rando not people to come on and talk about it that would be neat yeah if alan moore would like to come on the show uh, i would yeah. love to interview alan moore yeah alan moore is like my number one uh <laughs> Paul Simpson would like to come on the show. I'd like to talk to him about. (laughs) Absolutely. But if you have experiences doing any of these experiments that that turn out neat, certainly be safe while you're doing it and be conscious and and respectful of people's property and so forth. But hopefully have fun and hopefully they will spark some, some stories and some mystery. And we'd love to hear about them. 
if you have some uh, some experiences with this. Yeah, and even if you just turn the corner to another alleyway you've never been into, whether it's here or it's in an exotic location, it's still someplace you've never been. Yeah. Well, we've got our photo of the week, which is, while we're in sequester and we're doing more shows, this is photos of the week, I suppose. But, uh, <laughs> photos of the show. <laughs> <laughs> this is a really neat one. Kind of creepy. It's someone, uh, maybe they're doing their own uh, randonaut exploration back in time there. It's a little girl with her doll that she's looking behind her, which, as far as I know, is expressly forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> Don't look behind you. <laughs> yeah. Very, very cool little photo with a pushing her creepy little doll. She's looking at something. Yeah, and there's an, a nice shadow and nice contrast behind it. She's wearing a white dress, and it looks like maybe some crops or trees behind her. Yeah. Baby carriage seems a little earlier, too, than it some does. of the other ones. I'm thinking yeah. maybe 20s. I also could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's just a, a little snapshot, but it's really cool and kind of spooky. We will have that in the show notes. You can click on it. It should take you right to the Etsy store where you can pick it up for $15. Photo of the week. Don't look behind you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, hopefully we gave you some tools to uh, break the monotony. It's been working for us. So hopefully you enjoyed it. And we will be back soon, very soon, with more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. DarkHollerArts.com Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. Go to StoneBreath.BandCamp.com for more. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash StrangeFamiliars, where you can also join the Strange Familiars Gathering Group. And we are on Instagram, at StrangeFamiliars. Shine.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member? For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.